You're listening to Unseen Theatrics with Clinton Kamak. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Controlling the intensity, iris and colour, they pick up people and objects on stage, following their every move, keeping them in the light. Today we are talking to a follow spot operator. Starting work at a hire company and then moved to working at the Adelaide Festival Centre in the lighting department for the past five years. She has spotted on over ten major musicals, that have come through and has been head follow spot on some of the shows as well as spotting on countless operas. Please welcome Kate to Unseen Theatrics podcast for today. Hi Kate. Hello. How are you going uh, today? Uh, Yeah, pretty good. What about you? Fabulous. All the more better for talking to you, right? Good. (laughs) So uh, today we're talking about a follow spot operator and you've got plenty of experience in that. So can you give us a an overview of sort of the roles and responsibilities of a follow spot operator? Uh, So we would basically come in at the start of a show or beginning of a musical and our job is to check our equipment, check our giant follow spotlight is fully operational uh, and then, yeah, show starts, we do our cues, we follow the actor, singer, actress, whoever around the stage while they do their thing, make sure they're always lit all the time. There's quite a few of us and we work with each other. So quite a few of us. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, So what are some of the basic do's and don'ts when you're follow spotting? Uh, So your don'ts are you have to stay awake, so don't fall asleep. (laughs) That's Uh, a good start. Exactly. Some shows are quite long and it become quite tedious mentally and even physically, so you have to make sure that you are comfortable. Yep. Uh, don't sit there in pain because some shows are you know, two, two and a half hours and it's not worth sitting there that long in pain. So you need to make sure that you're comfortable in your sitting position. You've done some stretches. Yep. And then there's other stuff like you you can't panic during a show. If okay. something goes wrong, if you know somebody is sick or one of the follow spots starts having a problem, you can't panic. You have to communicate well with each other to fix that problem and cover each other. Mm-hmm. You know, other stuff, little unspoken rules, you try to, if your light is up and you're following somebody and you have to change to somebody else, you try, unless it's a an actual cue to swing across stage, you don't do that. So you always try to fade out and then pick up the other person nice and smooth. Yeah, It's always good to make sure you're hydrated. I find that drinking lots of water and snacking during shows helps to keep me awake, um, particularly during the long ones. Yeah, okay. That only make me want to go to the loo. Intervals rush. But you you learn a lot. You to learn how to predict movement so that you can guess where people are going to walk and they don't catch you off guard. Yeah. And it helps to already have some musical timing as well. Yeah, yeah. And any other do's or don'ts? Like, do you try and keep off the pro arch or the legs or, or or you know off the back psych or something like that? Depending on the angle of the. The room to the stage, sometimes you can't help but get on the psych. Uh, during stuff like ballets, the floor can be, like the tuck can be quite reflective, so no matter what, you always end up with a reflection. Mm. On the back psychs, that can be tough. Um, the only time that you would hit ever hit a pro is when they are walking in front of it, like fr- maybe perhaps from the auditorium. Mm-hmm. It's very, very rare. Normally you try and stay off of it all the way up the sides, around the top. 
definitely stay off of that as much as you can. Yeah. You, you learn where your limits are on stage. Yeah, I get it. Once you've been in the venue for a while, it's very easy to know how much swing you've got. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Can you tell me about what are some of the features that make up a photo spot? Uh, so we've got the two lenses on the inside of the tube, which we use to adjust our focus, so our size and our sharpness. Yeah. That is normally not touched during the show. Mm-hmm. So we tend to set that before, depending on what brightness and stuff we need, yep. what size we need, the biggest or smallest that we need to go. Once that is set, we don't touch that for the season. We have an iris to adjust our size live, which we arrange to go from all the way from headshots, sometimes all the way up to include four people in it, yep. which can be a bit of a stretch, but that's the kind of leniency that we like to have yep. on our follow spots. It's not on all follow spots. We have a frost button so when we put the frost in obviously the edges of the beam go fuzzy yep. not all follow spots have that we are lucky enough to have that yep. if the follow spot doesn't have that option we have six color frames in our follow spots and we can use one of those or whatever follow spot can use one of those with a frost gel inside of it yeah okay so those six color frames you know we can do red green blue we can do stuff like adjusting color temperature mm-hmm. to make people warmer, cooler, depending on the scene or their skin tone. Uh, so when you're dealing with people with very pale skin, obviously you don't want them really cool because they'll be very, very bright on stage. And obviously people of colour, we also have to adjust to that as well so that they look normal. Yeah. Shutters, which are like straight straight pieces of metal which come into the beam. So we can have one from the top, from the bottom and one from either side as well. Mm-hmm. Yet again, not all of Follow spots have them. They're very rarely used. I've only used them once or twice in five years. Okay. We've got a dowser. Most of them are the ones that we've got, the RJ Mellons, it's a dowser and it's like a almost like a motorbike throttle. So when you pull it back, the intensity goes up. Yep. It's the same on most of the other RJs, which are or Robert Juliet's a uh, European company. Most of them seem to have a twist dowser. Other ones like the Lycians have their iris and their dowser on top. So it's like a, a knob on a stick that moves left to right, not very far, probably on about 30 degrees either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one way is closed, one way is open. Yep. But it, it, there's a huge variety of fully spots, so it varies a lot. Yeah, so with the shutters that you haven't used very often, is there, if you need to put them in during a show, is there any way of gauging how far you've, you you need to have them in to get them in the right spot? No. The only time that I've used them, I have been able to put them in as a pre-show check. Yep. And then I was, after my cube's done, I could just pull them out and not have a problem. Yep. They kind of go from zero to 100 very quickly, the shutters. Right. So once you start pushing, you really have to go quite slow yep. until you've reached where you need to be. Yeah, okay. You're picking up people probably generally at, at quite a distance. So what do you use and how do you use sites for your photo spot so you know that you, if you've got a headshot, you're just going to get the head and not the body as well? Yeah, it's like a little red target. 
light. So when you when you turn them on, this little target appears on this little. It's like a got a mirror in it, and then you see the target on the stage. So when you look down that target, that is where your follow spot should come up. Yep. When you do your pre-show checks, you ensure that your follow spot is coming up on that target. And if it's not, you can adjust the way that the target sits inside it. Mm-hmm. So it reflects on the mirror. So you adjust the little knobs and then you line it up with where your follow spot hits on stage. We do this at a small size so that when, and, and obviously on center of the target, so that when we are doing a headshot, if we center that target directly on their head, that's where it comes up. Mm. Well, you know, when we're doing a full body, we aim for their you know, stomach area and then that is where the full body is going to come up. So you get used to your placements yep. like that. There are some other sites that people like to use. Uh, some of the older follow spot operators prefer it to be that like you make a little target out of wire mm-hmm. with a little cross on it and then you attach that to the follow spot and then on another piece of wire, you put that further away and you adjust the wires and where they're sitting and the angles that they're sitting at instead of the knobs, like you line those wires up in regards to where the spot is on the stage. Uh, It can be a little bit more finicky. Uh, There's a lot more chance of you, if you bump them, obviously you mess up where your spot is going to come up. Having the the ones that we use, that's called Telrods. They're used as like gun sites as well. No zoom or anything, just a little red LED target with mirrors pointing at the stage. Yeah, cool. There's sites. So for sizing in that, if you've got an iris to control, do you have marks on the top of your follow spot or anything just so you've got a bit of a guide of, of you know, headshot, full body or, or half body? Some people choose to put them on. For me, it depends on the follow spot. Yep. So when we used, we used Lysians for Priscilla and Aladdin, and that's one where the knob is on top on that stick. Yep. So it is quite easy to mark out on top where your sizes are on that Mm -hmm. it can be a little bit easier on those spots because you're sitting in a different position the robert juliets that we have the iris sits behind us a little bit so we kind of move our left shoulder back behind us and we can't really see it very well so we we have to go on feel and obviously looks but you learn where it all is pretty quickly once you get used to it and you'll find that you don't do that much adjustment live so if you do want to make a note on the spot it's easy enough to do. Okay. The actors, performers are running around on stage doing what they do best. What are you looking for when a performer's on stage for its movement so you can tell whether it's going to move right or move left or jump or just to make sure that you keep uh, the performer in the spot? It is really hard to pre- like predict, especially for a one-nighter when you've never seen the artist perform before. A lot of the time it's just wing it and stale it. Sometimes you can tell where they're going depending on obviously which way their feet are facing, if they're quite energetic and running around. We try to iris out a little bit bigger so that they don't jump out of it or sprint out of it or do anything crazy, which a lot of artists can do. If it's a touring show, you can try to get notes from the touring stage manager. So they can hopefully give you a song list or a cue list or just let you know in general what their energy is. Yeah, like I said, some super energetic, some just stand in one spot for ages. So it it can become quite hard to predict. You can go off of the music or you can go off of them, but at the end of the day, if you're alert, you basically be able to follow anybody yeah yeah another golden rule is to never chop off a head no definitely not definitely not if they're if they're in a massive ball gown 
nice sparkly shoes, the hair's all done nice, you try to cover the whole dress, all that sort of jazz, but never, ever chop off the head. Yeah. And there's stuff that you have to take into account, like if they're if their costume, a lot of men, if they're wearing their nice tuxedos, they will only want half body covered. It can really depend on the feel of the show as well. Okay. There's so many factors to take into account for one-nighters. Yes, and you've only got one night to get it right. Exactly. <laughs> so if we, if we start moving into a show, pre-production you just find out that you're doing a show, whether it be a one-nighter or a long-running musical, and that's about it. You don't you don't necessarily do anything else in pre-production? Not particularly. There will be stuff that we will do kind of privately on our own. Uh, some of us like to make sure that we have like massage balls and rollers up in the booth so that we can stay comfortable and stretch. Yeah. Other than that, there is not really too much we will do ahead of time. Mm. Sometimes it might be just cutting colour. Okay. We do have a huge stack of that up in the Follow Spot booth, so sometimes for a lot of the time we don't have to do that. Yep. There's not really much pre-prod involved unless we have to write our own cue sheets, which is very, very rare. All right. The show gets there. What do you do for bumping? Are you, you part of the crew and, and help bump the rest of the show in? Yeah, so we... Day one, we wait for a truck yep. or multiple trucks. Sometimes if we're lucky, there will be loaders. And if they are, they would have already unloaded and sorted. Uh, normally day one, we try to get all the truss fixtures up in the air and out of the way of everybody so that they can work on building stuff like all the pros and the floor, uh, even building stuff like huge set pieces. Uh, for example, Aladdin had these huge buildings that moved around on automation tracks, so they had to we had to get all of our stuff up so that they could build them before anything else. Do stuff like our front of house fixtures, which are quite easy to do because mm. uh, once they are up, we just carry them up the staircase and plop them out front. Not a lot of people work out front, yep. so we're not in a lot of people's ways. If it is a touring show, so ones like Matilda, Aladdin, and Priscilla, they brought their own follow spots. Okay. If we take them up to what we call our fly floor and then they get hauled up on a small chain motor, put on a dolly and then wheeled around to our follow spot booth. Yep. As well as obviously we have to take ours out of the room so we dismantle ours before we put theirs in. Mm-hmm. That is normally day one and day two, yep. getting all our fixtures in, spots in, running some cables, probably not too much though. There's normally four or five days before we get into stuff like rehearsals. Yeah, okay. Before those rehearsals, do you get any training if it's a touring musical or something like that do you get any training on how the show is being called or uh, the pickups or or anything like that about the show yes we do so for our big musicals we tend to have two to three video sessions which are you know two three hour or three four hour blocks where they have a pre-recorded video of the musical with all the follow spot pickups in it sometimes we are lucky enough to get the stage manager call recorded into those sometimes we're not if it's not it's not that big a deal mm-hmm. it is nice to hear the lighting calls like the lighting cues because it gives us some sort of indication of where we are in our plots yep. without those numbers it can be a bit of a struggle if we don't know the show musically yeah but those video sessions are good we sit in our office we turn off the lights it's essentially like having a movie time but with research it is fun Okay, in the movie time, what information are they telling you and you get your plots at that point as well? Yes, so that is when we would normally be given our plot, which can be anywhere between 6 and 20 pages, sometimes 
more. I think Mom and I had about 30 pages of cues. Yep. We have a touring follow spot operator who is with the company who has gone around to all the cities that it's been to and called the follow spot cues and trained them up. And they would normally leave on opening night. So they normally go home then. Yep. So we have until our first, normally they're doing a rehearsal on stage under work light at this point, which is why we have the time to go downstairs and watch this stuff with them. Yep. They make sure that we understand our colours. A big thing is who the characters are. Okay. They make sure sometimes we get a printout of the characters and their various costumes, opera. Operas are very good for that. They'll normally give us a printout of everybody mm-hmm. and all their looks. Musicals, we at least normally see headshots. Okay. So, yeah, they make sure we understand everything about our sizing, who is who, who's important, what cues are very important. Just the important stuff. Everything else, it's very hard to memorise a show without having it right there in front of you. Yeah, okay. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Join me next week as I talk to a production manager. Be polite and nice to everyone. I will always stay till the very end of the bump out. We never make the same mistake twice. Moving on from bumping, if we move into tech, you've been given your plot from the meeting earlier during bumping. Are you adding notes to that as well? And and what kind of notes are you adding to that as, as you're going through a tech run? We add so many notes. There will be stuff highlighted. So, for example, if you are doing a really quick colour change, I like to have my colour change highlighted. Yep. Uh, even size changing, intensity changing, any live changes, particularly important. Other stuff is particularly at the start of your runs, having character notes. So other what they're wearing or the hair colour or what number they come in on stage. So if there's four people coming on stage, if it's the fourth person on stage, we make sure that we have that written down. We write down as much information as possible because the more info we have at the start of our rehearsals, the sooner we can not rely on our cue sheets. Yep. So that's where it comes back to having stuff, operas. They are, It's very good having the costume stuff there because we don't need to take those notes because we know what they look like. Whereas with the musical, other than the blurry video, which is, it can be really hard to tell who is who. Okay. So we make sure we take all those notes, who they are, where they're coming on, anything that the head follow spot or touring follow spot operator hasn't noted. Even stage managers will do our plots for ballets and operas. They're normally quite high in detail, which is good, which means that we normally only have to go along and do our highlighting. Yep. Uh, we normally don't have copies of each other's plots for musicals. So to say there's plot A, B, and C, yep. normally one person will have a copy of all three set up somewhere else so that if anything does go wrong or somebody is ill and has to go, always have one person with a spare copy of a plot so that they can call whoever comes in to replace them. Yep. And operas, we normally have a four-column plot and each column is, you know, don't A, B, C, and D so we can often see other people's plots for ballets and operas. Okay. You just mentioned in there about there's a touring head head dome person and then when they leave do one of the local crew sort of become the the leader of the pack so to speak kind of it can depend on the the show the book of mormon is a good example where after the follow spot caller left there were three of us and i was put in charge as head follow spot so there were multiple musical cues where we all had to come up together so i would to make sure that we all did that every single night i would be calling the go on that and the standby all that sort of stuff it also meant that if somebody came in sick I would be calling their plots but 
normally by opening night, we all know our own plots, sometimes even each other's. Some people don't concentrate on other people we're doing. Normally, at least one of us will know the other plots, but we don't generally call it yep. unless we have to. Uh, whereas that's with musicals, but whereas with operas, normally we don't have a head follow spot person and the a stage manager will just call the cues for us. Yeah. So with the Book of Mormon, when you had all three come up together and you're calling yes. them, did you get a call from the stage manager or just to give you heads up about that? Or was that just a visual or just to cue in your cue sheet that you needed to do? That was just a cue in, our, in, in my sheet that I needed to do. With a musical, typically, the stage manager doesn't call us whatsoever. Okay. The only time that it will be called is when it's uh, perhaps a snap cue. So it's very, very quick, has to be on time with the lighting operator. Yep. That is the only time that we will get a call generally during a musical uh, opera. We get all the details though. Mm-hmm. In Tech Run, by what you just said then, the SM isn't calling the cues, but the Touring Dome Op would be calling the cues during Tech Run? Yes. So the, and they will kind of drop off cues as we need them. So obviously the first couple of rehearsals, they would call everything. They will do our standbys, they will do our goes, they will do stuff between cues like telling us to change color making sure that we are changing our iris size make sure we know who we're picking up they'll also answer any questions that we have yeah so if we're not too sure in our next cue obviously they want us to ask makes it a whole lot easier and quicker and then normally once we get a bit more comfortable we can ask them to cue us or stand by us for less and less yeah uh, which is good because it means that by the time it gets to opening we kind of learnt it in our own way okay they help you get the basics down and then after that you kind of memorize it in your own way or make your own notes on a massive piece of paper if you have really quick bits okay all right so the calling dome op gives you feedback during this period as well Yes, so they would normally make sure that we are obviously doing our cues correctly or if we have a perhaps a different actor or actress from the last city, they will make sure that we're doing what's right for the new person or if they are doing something different, we might have to adjust our cues. Okay. So they'll make sure that we are in the right size, right colour, make sure... Like we said earlier, we're not hitting the pro or anything. Mm-hmm. Make sure we're not hitting anybody that we're not supposed to. A lot of the time, they have to sit there. Not, I wouldn't say sing for us, but they will make sure that we know where, musically where we have to go, which can be quite hard for them. So they're sitting in the auditorium all the time. Yeah. yeah and obviously, they are quite experienced fully spot operators themselves. Yeah. Has there ever been a time where you've needed sort of extra rehearsals or anything like that? If, if needed? Not that I can think of. Some of the more complicated shows, the follow spot caller might stay with us on opening night. Sometimes they are offered opening night tickets so they can go see the show in the auditorium rather than sit up with us. We were lucky enough during Aladdin, the head follow spot operator was actually on for the season because the follow spot plot was so complicated. Okay. So he was on one follow spot. And then there were another two. I was one of them. And then we also had a a follow spot cover who would come in and cover any one of us if any of us were sick or needed a day off. Yeah, cool. How is the follow spot set up? Do you get to sit or do you stand or or how ha- how's it all set up in the in the booth? So it can depend on the venue, can depend on the follow spots, and it can just depend on personal preference for the operator. Mm-hmm. The way that we have it set up in the festival theatre is sitting at the moment because we have quite a small window 
So our foliflets have to be at a particular height if, obviously, we don't want them to hit the wall above our window. At, like, Her Old Majesty's Theatre in Adelaide, we were able to sit or stand because it was such a big window so we could have the foliflets sitting up higher. The way that we like to have it for muscle reasons and to make sure that we're comfortable is have all the controls at shoulder level so that we are not reaching our hands up above our shoulders so that we're not putting too much strain on ourselves. It can be quite difficult. On our current follow spots, it's nearly impossible to get that set up because of the where where the iris is and where the dowser is. There are some people who will stand no matter what, some people who will sit no matter what. It also depends if you have a horrible chair. If you have a horrible hard chair, you don't want to sit the whole show. I have done shows where at, at interval I would swap and I would stand the rest of the show. It can be a bit hard to get comfortable, especially when there's four of you in there. It can get quite warm in the room with four follow spots and four people. Sometimes ventilation isn't the best, and if your follow spots get quite warm, obviously people get quite sweaty and smelly, so you'll have to make sure that you're comfortable with each other. We would normally have two to three follow spots for musicals, and then we would have a spare follow spot in the room over kind of by itself because it's a lot more comfortable having three set up. We get a bit more movement in the room. Yeah. Ballets and operas. Don't think I've done any ballets or operas without four in the room. So that is quite cramped. Yeah, right. You've mentioned that sometimes you make up a little cheat sheet. Yes. Do you make that up during these tech runs or and what, what information do you put on these cheat sheets? So typically I would put... If we're going off LXQ numbers, I would put LXQ numbers on it. If we're going off of actions, I would put actions on it. And the way that I do it, I wouldn't typically do it during a dress because we're being cold at that point. But I would do it at the end of the night or the end of the session. Okay. You know, as we go on dinner or lunch, so that I would essentially get an A4 or even an A3 piece of paper or multiple and write it in big sharpie letters. Snap on LX two sixty seven. Snap off. Like Q68, and then I would write iris bump this one. And by that point, I kind of know what my iris bump is, so I don't need to put in too many details. It's basically just the important stuff that you want to put on there. Okay. Because your Q sheet is commonly not really in front of you too much. Yeah. It's normally next to you on the other side. So you either have to twist your neck while you're trying to do other things, like obviously follow spotting, or you just don't have the time to even look. So it's nice to have just the, the numbers. And the action in front of you, stuck on the wall above the window, makes it easy, nice and big, and it's it's just a cheat sheet basically. <laughs> yes, and that and that serves its purpose because the dome plot wouldn't have big bold writing at you know size twelve or size sixteen or something like that, and about thirty cues on the one page. So a lot of the time, the touring follow spot, uh, the head follow spot, they are very open to having the cue sheets change for you. So normally at the end of the first or second session, you could ask them, hey, I need the entire plot in much, much bigger writing or I need this column, for example. Like the plots are laid out in columns, so you would have your character, the location, your iris, size, every single little detail in a different column. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just don't like how the columns are arranged, so you would ask them to do you know, your colour first and then your set your size next and then set your intensity last and then your character last and their location. Okay, yeah. So that it makes sense to you the way that you're reading it. So a lot of the time the 
touring people are happy for, to change their cue sheets for you mm. and it's best to do that in the early rehearsals. Okay. It makes it easy for you to learn. The, the way that you just described it then, is that the way that you like it set out? As long as all the information is there and I can, it's pretty big text, I'm not too fussed. As long as the LX cue number is first or the cue point is first, mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy because that seems to be, other than colour frames, that seems to be something that people would struggle with more not so much it's easy to remember who you're picking up next but it's hard to remember where they're coming on because you could do it 30 times in one musical just picking up one person in different spots yeah but a lot of it is personal preference yeah that's good if you like what you're listening to check out my facebook page unseen theatrics for more show notes and links sharing education of live theater Tech run, especially during the, the larger musicals, there are plenty of stop-start type action going on on stage. Is there any, do you keep the photo spot on the leads the entire time, even when they've stopped to fix up something in tech? We typically, we would do maybe one or two tech runs and maybe two, maybe two dress rehearsals. So we're lucky if we get four. Yeah, It can depend on multiple things. Like we did the first time we did Cats, we did it and they didn't have costumes on. So helpful. It was basically impossible to know who was who. Oh, sorry, not basically. It was impossible. Yeah. Because all our notes were white cat, brown cat, and they were all in casual clothes. Yeah. It's not very stop-start. It tends to be act one in one session. Yeah. So we will do that. We might stop a couple of times. If they're not doing what they're doing, we come off them so that we are not blinding any text or doing stuff on stage or doing anything. If they're changing something, they don't need that light in their face. Yeah. It's just if the lighting stays up and they're changing it, we will typically be up. But if they've turned on work light and they're doing stuff, particularly for safety reasons, we won't come up. We'll, we'll, we'll come off, turn off and wait until we are starting again. Yeah. How long does it generally take you to to memorise a show? So the goal when it's a musical is to not have to be called on opening night. That is when the head follower spot would ideally be in the auditorium. Yeah. I will still read my cue sheets probably for the first week. I might not need to. Yeah. I'll go through three or four days of rehearsal and then even after opening, I will at least flick my pages. Yeah. Not necessarily look at them, but I will flick them so that if I'm having a mind blank, I can look over my shoulder and know exactly where I have to be. Yeah. We don't feel, you never feel 100% until you can not look at your cue sheet the whole show. You don't really feel 100%. Yeah, okay. Once you've done about 20 shows, probably even less, you just know it. You just you just know it so well. I was just doing the math then. So if they did eight shows in the first week and then, what, three or four rehearsals beforehand, that sort of takes it up to about 12 shows. Yes, yeah. So, but sometimes it's not even that. Some plots are a lot easier to memorise than others. Some of them are super simple, but stuff like Aladdin and Mormon, even Billy Elliot a little bit, yep. they were a bit harder to memorise. Okay. So it was definitely worth having having the cue sheets there a week after yep. and flicking. Yeah. What made those shows harder? Was it just because there was so many, so many follow cues? Yes. Aladdin was a busy show. There was only one scene in Aladdin where follow spots weren't up, and that was the big song, A Whole New World. That was the only song that we went up for that so it was very busy constantly swapping characters a lot of busy scenes in there where like market scenes where he would Aladdin would be running around and around set pieces and obviously when they go around set pieces you come off and then you've got to swing around to the other side of it him interacting with different people little people with their solo lines all that sort of stuff 
a show like Mormon mm-hmm. can be quite hard because we have a whole bunch of Caucasian guys on stage in white shirts and black ties and it can be hard to differentiate them, especially from a distance. Yep. They've got name tags, but they're so tiny. Obviously, we can't read them. Book of Mormon, I think I added it up. I had four minutes in total over the entire show where I wasn't up. Oh, wow. Yes, my arms were attached to my passport for the entire show. Other than that, it was fun. It makes it fun. It is much better having a busy show than a quiet show. Yeah. If we move into dress, you're just still running through the show, getting used to your notes, getting used to the show and just trying to get it into your head at this point? Yeah, that's basically it, making as many notes as we need. We try to make less and less notes as we go on. You smash out as many notes as you can on the first or second run so that there's less stopping. We spend a lot of time, once we've got our cues down, balancing our forward spots. So if there's more than one person on stage, we want to make sure, even though we are at the same intensity in our follow spots, depending on skin tone, all that sort of stuff. Sometimes they are, they've just gotten a fresh spray tan, so they're a lot darker. So we've got to spend just a little time getting used to the actors themselves and their movements. Because once, you, once you've kind of gotten the hang of who you're picking up and when, that's when you start to get it in your head of how to balance them and memorizing where they're going and getting used to their little movements. Like if somebody sticks out their hand and does a specific gesture, you make sure to know that you cover that hand. Mm -hmm. And if they're doing a particular jump, you make sure you know the musical timing of that jump. Just a little detail. So that's when you start smashing them out. Yeah. Night in, night out. Are those details pretty regular, like consistent with the actors on stage? Yes. I would say so. The Sometimes the standbys or the swings or whatever you'd like to call them, they can do stuff a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Normally we would do our rehearsals and then our first week of shows and normally in the second or third week we would get a swing run where it would be you basically do the show with half the ensemble because they've taken over the lead roles. It's, it's a mess sometimes but it is loads of fun. So you would get used to those sorts of people. And the only other people who can be inconsistent are children, of course. And animals. Yeah, luckily I haven't had to follow spot any animals yet. They did for Wizard of Oz. I was on floor for that, but they did have to do Toto pickups during Wizard of Oz. Oh, lovely. Which would have been fun. But children, Billy Ellen's a good example, where they had four Billys, four Michaels, and four... Debbies. Yeah. The scene could kind of change and their movements could change and their timing can change drastically depending on which child was paired with which child and even just on their own they can be they tend to be directed differently. Okay. Some children will have different lines and be in different spots and have different gags, all that sort of stuff. So children can be hard and standbys can be hard, understudies can be hard. Yeah, yeah. If we move into a show day, can you talk us through a show day for one of those um, long-running musicals that, that you've worked on? We would normally come in and do a house site check, yep. make sure that front of house are all happy. Normally, this time, the floor, Alex, and the lighting operator are doing a lamp check of the entire rig, so front of house or any truss on stage, any booms on stage. While they are doing that, we will go upstairs and we will check our follow spots. We will turn on the lamps, make sure our sights are in the right spot, make sure we have preset into the right colour, the right size, make sure our frost is set. Mm -hmm. We will do stuff like make sure our chairs are in the right spot, refill our snacks if we have to, make sure our cue sheets are in the right order. We have a little water cooler up there, so we make sure that has plenty of water in it. Sometimes, depending on the follow spot or how many of ours are running, we will turn on the aircon so that the room isn't super hot when we get up there. Mm -hmm. And then after we've done our checks, we do our 
follow spots lamped on from the hour call okay. just in case they don't lamp back on at beginners. Yep. And then we would go back down. We would make sure that the lamp check that the operator and the floor Alex did were all good, change anything that's blown mm-hmm. if we have to, if they haven't already done it. Yep. After that, we would go downstairs, make sure we're hydrated, do some stretches. Uh, we have a set of specific stretches that we well, not so much been told to do, but have been recommended by other more wise fully spot operators. Yes. Yeah, make sure that you're comfortable and ready and in the right mindset. Yep. How early do you arrive to do the uh, the house light check? Uh, we arrive an hour before. Just an hour before? Yeah, sometimes we are given a little bit more time. It can depend on the company. Operas, sometimes we're given an hour and a half. Yep. There will be stuff to, or even ballets, there'll be stuff to preset on stage. So if there was a show the night before, they would leave the set how it was at the end of the night. And if there's stuff like booms that need to be moved, we would assist the floor LX and the lighting operator with doing that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, make sure everything's on stage and working. There can be other gigs, given the privilege of doing the confetti cannons pre-show during Aladdin. Okay. And that was just something that we could do because it was on our way up to the Follow Spot booth. Yeah. During a show, what do you do if there's an issue with a Follow Spot apart from not panic like you mentioned right at the start? So it can depend on the issue. So if there's a if there's a Follow Spot that tends to overheat, we make sure that it's safe. Ours don't tend to overheat, but we've had other touring ones that have. Yep. So you make sure that whoever is operating is not going to burn themselves. If we're running three domes, we tend to have a fourth spare mm-hmm. in a room over that we can, it's already got a sight on it. We don't tend to check it every day and we don't power it up every day. Yep. If there's an issue, they only take about three minutes to get to full kind of intensity on the lamp. So we will power it up. There should already be our colours in it, or at least our basic colours in it. So if we have to, we can move to the room over. Mm -hmm. If there's somebody who is ill in the middle of the show, which has happened to me, I've had to leave at interval. We will normally have a, normally the floor LX come up and cover. Okay. And they would have to read our cue sheets and be called by the other people who are around. Mm -hmm. And if nobody is available to come up, they just have to do it with two or three or however many down we are one less yeah one less and you've just got to really you basically just latch your comms open and communicate with each other about what cue is coming up for you and what has to be done and then if you if somebody has a less important cue or it's possible to iris out to cover a cue you would do that it's really it's a lot of communication if something goes wrong we also have during aladdin and book of mormon we had swing follow spot operators so they would come in and basically cover a plot for us if they had to. They're normally on for a couple of shows a week. So we, we don't get very many swings in Adelaide because the season's not very long. With comms loops and that, do you just stay on the, the show call or do you have your own separate loop if you need to communicate with each other so much because a, a follow spot's gone down? It depends on the show. If we are on a musical, they will typically have a specific follow spot loop for us. Okay. So we would have one with just the people up in the follow spot booth and the follow spot caller in the auditorium if they're still here. And then the obviously we've got two loops, so we would have the follow spot loop and the other loop will either be with the lighting operator who can then relay any information to the stage manager. Yeah. Or the other loop would just be show loop, which obviously we don't talk on mm-hmm. unless it's an emergency. So it can depend on the show and the sound, the way the audio have set it up. Yeah. And then I'll typically that's why it goes for musicals. But with our opera shows and our ballets, we would just have like a, a light 
writing loop and then the stage loop. Okay. Yeah. So we try to keep communication to a minimum on show loop. Obviously, you don't want to be interrupting the stage manager, but we can feel free to talk to the lighting operator and to each other if it's not going to distract them too much. Cool. How much detail does the SM give you in standbys and cues? And I think you've already mentioned that during the musicals that they don't actually call you much at all. No, they don't. It's it's very, very rare that we get any cues called for us during a musical because I have so much other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. During an opera and a ballet, we would basically have everything called. Some stage managers will call our colour, our size, our iris, our character, our location, our timing. They'll give us standbys. They'll give us geos. They'll do everything. Not all of us. Some people can find it quite distracting and we can actually ask the stage manager to not call certain details because sometimes when they have a lot of cues going on, it can help them to not have to call every single detail for us. Yes. So if they've got, you know, four mech cues going and four lighting cues going, the last thing that they need is a mouthful of follow spot cues, especially when we're used to taking a lot of our stuff ourselves anyway. Yes, that's right. So getting a, uh, a standby and a geo is um, actually like a luxury for you guys. Kind of is. So you've done your show without any dramas or anything like that. What post-show duties do you need to do? Uh, so we will turn off our little site because they're battery powered. Yep. Uh, wait a few minutes so we lamp off the follow spots. Yep. But we keep the fans running for a few minutes in order to not let the bulb cool too fast because if it cools too fast, it can blow. We can do some long-term damage. Yep. So we always allow a few minutes for them to cool down. There's a little countdown timer an hours farther than that. A post-show song that they normally play, about three, four minutes is a good indicator. And that that's basically it. Okay. And then flick the main breaker and then go home. Sweet. Job done and come back the next day and do it all again. Yes. You're up wielding a big, heavy follow spot about the place. Is that physically demanding for you? It can be, definitely. During shows, particularly long shows, particularly musicals, it can be quite hard on your shoulders. If you're sitting, it can be quite hard on your back if you have a hard seat it can make you very sore Mm -hmm. Uh, your neck especially your neck and your shoulders are probably the most important part because you often have your neck twisted all the way to the right because you're constantly either looking down the side or just looking at stage and following your light so it can be quite hard to keep your shoulders up and keep your neck healthy even stuff like stretching out your chest beforehand can be really important you got to stretch because your arms are up there for so long Especially like during one more, I said I had like a total of four minutes off. So every minute of that was spent cracking my neck and stretching my neck and readjusting my chair, yep. all that sort of stuff. It can take a real toll, but on the other hand, you tend to have amazing arm muscles, like arm strength and shoulder strength, which is good. And if you don't sleep on a very good pillow, you can also wreck your neck for fully spotting. Right. Very true. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you've got a good pillow and you've got good stretches. Yes. Having the massage balls and having rollers up in the fullest spot booth is it's life changing up there. R- rollers for the back? Yeah. I think we've got a couple that you can use for your arms. We even have stuff like a deep heat or tiger balm, sometimes even neurofen up in the flow spot booth. So if we have any problems mid-show, we can stink out the booth with deep heat. Yeah. You do what you need to do to get through the show, right? You do. Yeah. You've done the show for six weeks. What do you do for bump out? Basically the opposite of the inn. Uh, we would do stuff, if we are using their follow spots, we would remove our sites because they don't typically store their follow spot sites. So we would take our sites off, get rid of all our cables, uh, 
up there and then we would go and clear the floor LX. Yep. And then over the next few days we would do stuff, get rid of cables, get rid of front of house, get the dimmers out and unplugged and packed up, get the truss down, wait for a truck and then, yeah, that is basically it. So it's obviously a lot quicker on and out. Sometimes we would do overnights. So we would do the Sunday matinee and then do the Sunday night show and then we would bump out until... 3, 4 a.m. Sometimes there's an overnight crew that comes in at about midnight and goes until 7 or 8 or sometimes we go for an hour, hour and a half after the show and then come back 10 hours later and do the rest. But it really kind of varies between shows and their schedule. So then the the show's out the door and travelling to the next place. Any post-production responsibilities? Nothing for follow spot operators. Makes your life easy. Yes. (laughs) All right. If you have any questions, contact me via the Unseen Theatrics Facebook page or at unseentheatrics at gmail.com. Can you give us an idea of the type of hours and days that, that you'd be doing? Let's start off with, with bumping days. Yeah. So bumping days, typically 14 hours, up to a week of 14-hour bumping days. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of lifting, a lot of cables, a lot of carrying stuff around the building a lot of sharing a lift with people all that sort of stuff so it's a lot of it's very long hours it's very physical hours yes so much manual labor it can can take a toll on you it it kind of starts a couple of days before when you need to start getting your sleep schedule back in whack so yeah 14 hour days during bump-ins 14 hour days during rehearsals okay once a show starts you'll do eight shows typically at a four or five hour call each depending on the length of the show and what pre-show stuff you have to do mm-hmm. the so it drastically goes down after rehearsals but you can fully expect 80 90 hour weeks even during festivals i think the longest i've done is 32 or 26 days or something in a row and uh, only three or four of them were short days yeah when i say short days i mean less than eight hours that's what I count as a short day is anything less than eight hours. Totally, because it is a short day, really, when you think about 14 or 16-hour days. You should always take advantage of lunch breaks. Get out of the building. If you've brought your lunch in, go eat it in, in the sun or the rain outside. Just get out of the building. Mm-hmm. Why do you think live theatre is important in people's lives? I think it's an important experience for people to have. It's a different experience to sitting in a cinema for you know two hours or whatever it's a lot more immersive obviously the stuff like live theater cabaret gigs are amazing Mm -hmm. for that interactive you know when they walk into the audience or they're climbing all over the tables or you're sitting there at a table with wine and cheese or you know it's if something goes wrong it depends on how they handle it it's just so much more kind of thrilling i guess and you can never know what to expect you know you go see a movie normally you've seen a trailer you know a general kind of thing of what it's going to be but you can walk into a cabaret show and have no clue obviously stuff like billy elliot or matilda which have been or even aladdin and priscilla have been movie adaptions Mm. so you can go and expecting something similar to the movie and then you walk out and it's just been completely different because everything is so bright and the emotions are there and they're real and the costumes and the lighting and even stuff like Priscilla had a bit where they got people up on stage and they were dancing at the start of act two and having kid actors on stage can be really cool as well because you see these little people who have even though they're only 10 12 they 
have done so much with their short amount of time and you can see clearly what they're doing and you just don't really get that in going to a cinema. Mm. It's a completely different feel and it's when something goes wrong during a show, it's even for us backstage, it's something where we learn from it or we are pushed to do something that we've never done before. Not so much in an uncomfortable situation, but it's like, oh, this has gone wrong. We have to do this and this right now and the pressure's on. Yep. So it's a it's a completely different feel on stage, backstage, above the stage, no matter where you are in the auditorium, it's a completely different feel to kind of anything else that you would do. Yeah, totally. And the whole cabaret setting, that's awesome. Yes. Final question. So do you have any tips or tricks? I know you've mentioned a few throughout the chat that you'd like to pass on to the next up and coming follow spot operator. Well, number one, make sure you're comfortable no matter what. It's, you know, there'll always be another show, but that you don't have another body. So you got to make sure you take care of yourself. Make sure you, and that includes mentally. It's a lot of long hours, so you just need to make sure that you're feeling good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, during a show, don't panic. Don't be afraid to ask questions. There is not a lot of people in this industry who won't help you. Obviously, it can be a bit difficult if you're asking the wrong person or they're not in your department, all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to knowledge of bump-ins, equipment, anything that you are doing within this industry, there is no harm in asking and if they're rude or anything like that then it's not the right person you should be asking and they've got the wrong attitude because we need to be passing knowledge on it's not an industry where we need to be keeping information Mm. and traits and skills to ourselves because it's just not it's not how this industry is going to improve it needs to be you know i'd say that we're pretty safe as it is but you need to you know stay safe stay healthy just constantly try and learn Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to learn a mess up either because everybody's had a gig where something has gone wrong, whether they've messed it up or something else has gone wrong or equipment has died or everything from cabaret, little cabaret gigs to musicals have like show stops. It happens. And when it does, there's no need to let it deter you from the industry. Mm, that was some really cool tips and tricks, Kate. So that wraps us up for this edition of Unseen Theatrics Podcast. So thanks for coming on and having a chat and letting us know a little bit about what's involved in being a follow spot operator. Well, thank you for having me. It's nice to share the knowledge because a lot of people don't actually know that we exist, let alone what we do. So true. Awesome. Thanks, Kate. Awesome. Thank you. Hey. Thanks for listening. Join me again next week as I chat to a production manager.